The following podcast has been paid for by Perch on the Top Rope. to send our thoughts and condolences to the friends and family of Scott Hall. We will now play a 10-bell salute in honor of Scott Hall's career. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me, because I can do that again. Fuck you, Rob Hockman. It's me, the LWE Lee Walker, the host of Perched on the Top Rope. I am joined today by Perched Gaming's the adorable one, Alex Todd, my cameraman who does a phenomenal job, Justin Largito, and from Smacked Raw the Rewind, Kyle. Guys, hey. how you doing today? What's up, man? You got it. First try. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's a first. Lee never says their name right. <laughs> Woo. Was... So happy to be here. I felt good. I'm not going to lie. I felt good to do. That means that we're in for a trash. So that's, if, if, it's, if it goes by anything with the smacked raw way of things, if you have a good intro, the rest of the night's off. I don't, I don't want to have a... Uh... A off night. Want to have a good night? All right. We kind of uh, missed some news last week. We didn't do a new show, especially with everything that was going on. First and foremost, Big E breaks his neck in a bad spot. A, I don't want to say suplex gone wrong. As an amateur wrestler of 24 years and someone who was trained by crazy Mike Musatelli, a former heavyweight in Bellator MMA. I rewatched that suplex like 30 times. Before I give my thoughts, Alex, what's your thoughts on it? Um, to me, it just seemed like it was a freak accident. I, I took a look at the video a couple times myself, and obviously uh, the famous line by Jim Ross is that, that you know, this isn't ballet. You know, things are bound to happen. People are bound to get hurt. It looked like it was a situation where it was just a sheer accident. Who knows? Rich uh, Holland may have not gotten his footing right. Biggie might not have gotten enough air. Something didn't go right. The stars were not aligned, and unfortunately, it resulted in injury. Biggie seems very positive about everything that's going on, and it, supposedly Rich uh, Holland also showed up to the hospital that very night, and Biggie took that as a huge sign of respect as well. It's, it just sounds like it was an accident, and there there wasn't any harm, any foul, and I, I don't think it was anything intended or, or sloppy, really. I think it was just an accident. 
How about you, Justin? Yeah, like I said this past Friday night, unfortunately, it hasn't been the best year for Big E. I mean, day one, literally the start of the year, he loses the WWE title and then, you know, gets quietly moved back to SmackDown to be with Kofi and feels like he's just kind of back to where he was pre-singles push. Uh, unfortunately, or excuse me, hopefully Ridge Holland doesn't get any heat for this. Uh, you know, he's had his fair share of injuries. He pretty much destroyed his leg a few years ago in NXT. And I remember somebody brought it back up to me. There was one incident where uh, I don't remember if it was the same move that happened to Big E this past Friday, but the same thing happened to Johnny Gargano in NXT in a match that was taped. Uh, but, you know, it's unfortunate for Big E. It's also unfortunate to, you know, this close to WrestleMania kind of get hurt. And there's no way of even getting on that mania card now. Uh, you know, speedy recovery to him. Who knows how long he's going to be out for? But yeah. How about you, Kyle? Fantastic. I love it. What? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I'm just going to say the same shit y'all just said. Yeah, no, it's, it's unfortunate. I'll say this, though. I'll say this that, um, uh, Kudos to the IWC for not trying to crucify Rich Holland. Uh, Rich Holland. Yes. You know, of course, there's, you're going to find some people that are, are, you know, going at the man, going for the throat. But uh, overall, uh, it seems like everyone shares the same sentiment that it's it was uh, it was it was just an accident. You know, shit happens. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, come on, man, come on. We're all practically wrestling insiders by now, so we would have heard that there's some major heat on Holland and. No, man. No, they're all good. Shit happens. Yeah. Um, the only thing I didn't like was like Taz's tweet about the situation. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, other than that, it was a freak accident. I've, I've, like I said, I watched it 30 times. The man pops his hips like you're supposed to. I'm referring to Rich Holland. Your hips are supposed to pop out. I watched it. They did. Big E, for whatever reason, just the height difference maybe just didn't get enough air and just didn't get enough time to, to get the flip over shit happens, man. But I, I hope for a speedy recovery for Biggie. Cause that does suck, especially so close to WrestleMania. Now I do want to cut you off for just a second. Cause I feel like too, the biggest thing that we can't forget to take away from this too, is the size of both of these men. You, you, you talked about, the possible height difference. You also have to realize these are two massive human beings too. It's not as simple as Brock Lesnar being one massive human being, uh, German suplexing or belly to belly suplexing a guy as small as Finn Balor or AJ Styles, where they're going to go flying no matter what, because it's easy to suplex. Them. You're talking about two massive human beings. So that that's definitely got to be factored into the equation as well. Yeah. Yeah. It actually really does. Cause I've been the victim of, being knocked out by a suplex wrestling in high school. So that was fun. That explains it. Yeah. It explains a lot actually. Now that I think about it, (laughs) Um, there there was for me now, this following raw, a really, really big takeaway. And that came in the main event with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. They went one-on-one. The winner got to basically do the interview with, stone cold steve austin we see kevin owens win the match 
But Justin, I believe you have the quotes of what commentary said that led to something even bigger. I do. I have them right here. So immediately following the match, Corey Graves uh, stated, and I quote, Seth Rollins is not going to partake in WrestleMania. All of Seth Rollins' hopes and dreams were dashed, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, tonight on Monday Night Raw. Following that, Jimmy Smith uh, stated the vision has become an absolute nightmare for Seth Rollins, who will be watching the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time from home. No, he won't. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, They're definitely setting up Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes at this point. Before, it was just more or less rumor, hearsay. They're setting it up now. The the commentary between the two of them, the fact that they're pushing Seth Rollins having a WrestleMania moment or not. The one thing I did read online is that it is possible that since he didn't debut in Jacksonville, that this might actually be a WrestleMania surprise, which if so, while it might not put some extra butts in seats before the event, the show is going to do just fine no matter what. It always does. You're going to have that much more of a pop if Cody does return at WrestleMania instead of on Monday Night Raw. Who's um who's excited for Cody Rhodes? Adrenaline Why? in the <laughs> Because I honestly, I just think he's entertaining. Uh, I, I've always been a Cody Rhodes fan since he debuted when he was with Hardcore Holly, when he was part of Legacy. I, when I returned to watching wrestling, kind of saw Cody Rhodes grow as a performer. So for me, and I, I understand everybody's got their own opinion on the man, but for me, it's one of those watching a wrestler evolve. And kind what do you think of his uh, of the final stretch of his AEW run? There were some things that I didn't agree with at the same time. I wasn't a big fan of his feud with Anthony Agogo. I wasn't a fan of the infamous promo, obviously, where he talked he cured about racism. Yeah. So those were <laughs> those were obvious misses. But I'm just wondering. Like, I'm not. I'm not shitting on nobody. I, I just no. I wanted to hear because with me, I was I was done with with Cody like in AEW. I'm not saying like I never wanted to see the man on my TV, but I was like, yeah, I could go on a Cody vacation right about now. So like I don't know. For me, like I was ready to see him go, and then just to hear, oh, he's just gonna pop up at WrestleMania. I mean, it's exciting more or less that it's an AEW guy for me going to Mania. Then oh it's Cody Rhodes because I feel like I feel like the Cody train is gonna slow down three weeks, four weeks after he debuts, and it's you know it's gonna be a moment rather than um like I can't wait to see where this goes. In my opinion, my opinion, folks. Right. No, I could definitely agree with that because I think I think from probably the beginning of 2021 on there was something with the Cody Rhodes booking that wasn't clicking with fans anymore. And he's, he's even gone on record to admit that basically that time stretch until when around he left, he wasn't even a fan of the the stories that he was taking place in. But if you ask me prior to that, I think from the time that AEW started up until about the beginning of 2021, he's probably the hottest superstar in the company. Oh man, dude, he, he, he kicked us off in the, in the, in the, um, the COVID era, the pandemic era, he he kicked that shit off with a passionate promo. He led the charge. No, nah, I ain't taking nothing away. He was awesome. It just man, that 
that Cody train just took a couple wrong left turns. Uh, it's like how everybody <laughs> needed to take a break from Jeff Jarrett and TNA after he was being booked for so long to go over everybody. Did anyone like Jeff Jarrett? Okay, there we go. That, that... <laughs> I liked him when he was in a tag team with Owen Hart. Okay, cool. Because of Owen, right? Yeah. Honestly, for his high entire career, the I think he played a great heel. Yeah, I think the most memorable time for me actually enjoying his work was when I went back and watched his WCW work. Yeah, I got you. I just Jeff Jarrett to me, man. Growing up, seeing him as a kid, he just reminded me of like the appeal of that my dad's drinking friend that would come over to the house and just claim <laughs> yes! to be like claim to be my uncle just to justify why he's at my house so much, getting drunk with my dad. And, <laughs> and yeah, instead of just like you're, you're kind of like uh, uh, just not that fun to be around. So this is your life. I don't know. Yeah, it's just that was the appeal of that man right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I kind of have a spot, soft spot for uh, With My Baby Tonight, Jeff Jarrett. Early uh, WF run. Oh. I do, too. And you know what? Like, I've, I've gotten to interview him. He's, he's a really nice guy, to be honest. Yeah. He's really nice. But uh, he did a lot for the business. You know, if it wasn't for him with TNA, there's a lot of stars we might not have seen. You know, think about it. He had yeah. AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe. There's a lot of guys that wouldn't be huge in WWE. There's a chance there might not even be something like AEW because if mm-hmm. TNA slash Impact had been more successful, you might not have seen the Bucks leave. They might not have went to New Japan. They might not have been an AEW. They were like, since WCW, they were the second biggest company to be on live TV. Yeah. So, I mean, Jeff Jarrett had his contributions to the industry. My, but no, my I definitely like the way Kyle says that, though. Appreciate it. I will say this. Sticking with that that drunk man that just visits your house, my favorite thing in the feud was when he was beating up China. And it was just like, you know, it was like this persevering, like, she-Hulk woman taking on, like, domestic abuser um, Jeff Jarrett. That was, that was my favorite thing. And then ultimately she won. Uh, I think she took him out with the kitchen sink, if I remember. But um, it was awesome, though. She won the IC title and he got fired. Yeah, he got paid $300,000 for that match because he was going to hold the Intercontinental title up. Good businessman. Hey, business I would have done man. the same thing. It's a like, business. Money's money. I'm, I'm, I'm strictly referring to on-screen Jeff Jarrett. On-screen Jeff Jarrett just irked the shit out of me. <laughs> Behind the scenes, I don't know the man. You know what I mean? I like it, though. I like it. I agree. I like it. <sighs> This is a point we did a show on Monday. Mm-hmm. We, we did our Scott Hall tribute show. Episode 69. Hey, yo. We got to share some of our favorite moments with Razor and Scott. I'll just like rehash some of mine. Uh, I was a big fan of the diaper match with one, two, three kid. Uh, little fun fact. In 1992, Scott Hall wrestled a current women's champion in WWE, her father. And it happened to be Carmella's father, WWF superstars. I was a squash match, but I actually went and watched it last night. Razor showcases who he really is. 
big fan of the NWO, obviously. Uh, man's done it a lot. Another one of my favorite matches I had talked about was his match as Razor Ramon in the debut of Jeff Hardy. And it wasn't so much about the, about the match. It was about the story that was being told in that match. No one knew who Jeff Hardy was. He was at that point, just talent enhancement and a new, and he was 17 years old, just a new kid. The story behind the match razors in the middle of a feud for the intercontinental championship against gold dust. Gold dust comes out like in the middle of the match Razor get walks out of the ring. It's like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And gets counted out. And, and I saw it as a, a thing of helping a, a young kid kind of get over type deal. Cause he, you know, he was new to the company. Right. And then um, the, the other part was the story that uh, Sean Waltman told that I, I, I liked. He would wear his uh, six ball shirt on nitro and everything when uh, Sean had broken his neck. So it was a way to help everyone like not forget about sex type deal. Uh, Alex. So uh, aside from the obvious match of Razor Ramon versus Sean Michaels at WrestleMania 10, I have a little more of a controversial match. That was my, one of my favorites between uh, Scott Hall, who I'll you know tell you in a minute. And for me, it was because this match made me, kind of see who Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon was. And it made me go back and look into his career more. And believe it or not, it was actually the Scott Hall versus Stone Cold Steve Austin match at WrestleMania. A lot of people kind of shit on that match, even though it really wasn't a bad match. Dude, don't, don't so, sugarcoat it. It, it followed up the rock and, and, uh, and, and Hulk Hogan, everyone crapped on that match, you know? Right, and that was bound to happen with Rock Hulk Hogan having. Yeah, it was just it was a victim of being on the wrong card. Right, but so for me, that was kind of my introduction into pro wrestling was right around that time period. So I saw this guy where even though he was struggling with his demons at that time, he was still one of the coolest guys in the room to me. And so I took that and I went back, I watched YouTube video after YouTube video on him, and I went back and found his days as Razor Ramon, and that was where I got hooked. Um Obviously, after that, I went and watched the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels match. I actually watched it again last night because I was, I was in like a weird place last night because this is one of the few pro wrestling deaths that's kind of affected me a little more than others. And I was texting Lee last night. I watched. If you guys get the chance, if you haven't seen it already, watch the Living on Razor's Edge documentary on the WWE Network. It really goes into detail on Scott's life, look why he was the way he was, what happened to him, how he changed his life. It's a really touching documentary and it goes through everything that he went through. But after that, I went through and just, I was just watching Scott Hall and Razor Ramon matches after each other last night. And um, yeah, the one thing I did want to make mention of to Razor Ramon's memory that we see wrestlers do to this day is in any sort of ladder match. When you guys see the heel or the face that thinks they're really cool and they go under the ladder Razor Ramon started that in his match with Shawn Michaels. You see him go under the ladder before he goes in. And it's just, I don't know. It's really sucks to see that he's gone. Yeah. Speaking of that WrestleMania match, that was WrestleMania 18. And that was 20 years ago today. Little, little, 
little note that that's been 20 years since that match. Kyle, you got any favorite matches or memories of Scott Razor that? Yeah, it's kind of funny because my first introduction to Razor Ramon is through uh, uh, Richard or Rick Bogner uh, as fake Razor because that was actually the time I started watching wrestling. And, um, man, I didn't understand what was going on, but it was shortly afterwards I, I turned on WCW for the first time. And I saw NWO and uh, I didn't really like it didn't click with me. Like as a kid, I was much more like into the cruiserweights like Rey Mysterio and Hoovitude and stuff. So like the big guys um, like Hulk Hogan and all of them, I didn't really like that much. Not, it, you know, it may have had to do with the fact that the kids that were bullying me at school were doing like the two sweets with each other. So they may have already had it like screwed up for them, but um, like everyone else says, the cliche, like the, the the ladder match he had with with Shawn Michaels is is pretty awesome to go back and watch. I remember doing that when I became a fan of the Hardys. I was like, when did ladder matches start? It just uh, I had to see like where the origin of the match type uh, came from, and seeing him and Shawn Michaels tear it down and stuff was pretty dope. But I I can't sit here in front and say that like I'm the biggest wrestling buff or I went back and watched all of uh, of um, Razor's uh, uh, matches and stuff. But as a wrestling fan, I, I respect and appreciate all of his contributions and how big he is to the wrestling community and how much more um, how important he is to a lot of other fans and, and, and personalities alike. You know, I just uh, for me. It was I, I every everything that had to do with Razor was always in passing. Um, just he was on the card or something else. But I uh, was a big fan of the ladder match. That's for sure. Well, you know, even The Rock commented on it and said that he was a stud. You know, he was a studier, and one of the things that you know before they had a match, he even you know he told Scott that and said something along the lines of. Uh, Scott didn't realize it, but Scott was one of the guys that Dwayne The Rock Johnson studied. And where you can really see that, go watch a Scott Hall match and then watch a Rock match. They punch almost identical. Yeah. You know, literally almost identical to each other. Justin, I know you're kind of a young gun, but I know you know who Scott Hall is because we have met him. Yes. Uh, So I jotted just quite a few things down, uh, some stuff I remember from Scott Hall most. Uh, You know, some matches, I'll go through them, the list I have at least. Uh, Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, Royal Rumble 1993. Uh, I think that really showcased Razor for the first time and showed that he could hang as a main eventer. Uh, You know, Moments like the one, two, three kid, Razor Ramon, Raw, May 17th of 93, where you had that big shock win for the kid. Uh, another match I think people should check out Razor's uh, first IC title win, uh, Raw, October 11th, 93, Razor versus Rick Martell. Uh, very, very good match uh, following the battle royal that took place the week before. Uh, I could go on all day about the ladder match at WrestleMania 10 and even the one the following year at SummerSlam 95. Uh, You know, Scott Hall kicked off the Monday Night Wars in WCW. His first appearance on Nitro was what started everything 
put it in place for the NWO to form at Bash at the Beach that year. Uh, it doesn't really get talked about this one either, I don't think. Uh, the Outsiders, Harlem Heat, at uh, Halloween Havoc in 96. That was their first uh, WCW title or tag title win. Uh, and, you know, this was uh, my first exposure really to Scott Hall was when the NWO debuted in uh, 2002 in WB and No Way Out. Uh, you know, just a five-year-old kid <laughs> turning on the TV, seeing uh, Scott and Nash and Hogan for the first time. But, uh, yeah, uh, to finish it off, uh, you know, I want to mention that Hall of Fame speech 2014. Uh, just iconic, especially that last two lines. Uh you know, that's just what I'll remember about Scott. Even all this week, even before seeing it on social media, just those two last lines of that Hall of Fame speech were running through my head the whole time. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Kyle, we saw you shaking your head over there a little bit. What do you got for us? The fucking old man. God damn, you're talking about I saw the NWO come out. He's five. My ass was like 14. I remember that shit too, because I remember that was one of the one of the early times where I was like ashamed to be like a wrestling fan. Not because of NWO, but because of uh of Vince McMahon's uh uh promo that he did that he had to inject, he had to kill the WWF or WWE at the time with a lethal injection of NWO. Lethal dose of poison. The the fake crying that he did as a kid, I cringed so fucking hard watching that fake cry he did in the middle of that promo. And, um, but yeah, no, that's burned into my head. Um, severely. God, I remember the fucking living room I was in and everything. Um, God damn, I'm old as shit now. Not old as Lee, not as old as Lee, but I'm getting there. Uh, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're shaking your head, and then all of a sudden, just dawned on me, I'm older than you. So yeah, you no, I, I saw feel? I saw a bus coming as I was talking, and I was I'm just gonna push Jump Lee under it. it. Yeah, well, yeah. it was me driving because I got buses. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Lee's basically forty over here. Yeah. Watch your mouth. You're you're thirty. <laughs> See what you did, Justin? <laughs> you just had to bring up like how old you are. What you had to you got us all mad say now. you were five. We're all mad, by the way. Fuck you for being I'm damn younger near than graduating us. high school. By the <laughs> way, how college. do you look at how do you uh I, Justin, how do you view the attitude era? Because it's held in such high regards by like wrestling fans. Like to for example, like to me, when people talk about the golden age of wrestling, I'm like that's my dad's era of wrestling, old men and like hair metal and stuff. Um, arena rock. It just, it's disgusting to me. What about, uh, how do you view the attitude? Era? That's Lee's era of wrestling. Like what the fuck, dude? It was the best era of wrestling there was. Are you kidding me? So. I like to hear so, like how young people view it. Be- Cause yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just had gotten into wrestling like right towards the tail end of the Attitude Era, kind of right before WrestleMania 17. What, when you were like three? Uh, uh, four. <laughs> four. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, honestly, I think it was a great time to be a fan, just 
judging by everything I see. I even still have my old VHS tapes of old like Raw's Wars just sitting in my <laughs> in a box in the corner over there, actually. Uh, you know, the match quality going back, it's very hit or miss, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like you have your, your bright spots and you have your very, very low spots. But, uh, you know, it was definitely a different time and it was fun to like be a wrestling fan from what I can tell. What's your take on Stone Cold? Was he ever cool to you? I'll be honest. I'm more of a rock guy. I love the rock through and through. That was my guy, uh, from day one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do respect Stone Cold. I do. You don't Uh, say, you don't think he's like racist or anything? (laughs) uh not 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 from my point of view at the moment (laughs) (laughs) unless i i I don't know something that someone else does (laughs) just fucking with you man oh shit he blocked me on twitter anyway so oh it's unrelated i didn't call him racist i think it'd be kind of a good idea too to see where everybody's uh ideas of the attitude era lied to based on age too because for me too i wasn't even really into wrestling at the attitude era either i came in as a wrestling fan basically right after it ended um yeah and and for me i know the attitude era is held in pretty high regard i've gone back and watched the storytelling was great uh i personally think a lot of the wrestling that happened in that time period was crap uh in my opinion but for me i think it's an age thing too because i also hold personally the ruthless aggression era in high regard to me because that's the uh, the era that i grew up watching like your john cena's your batista's your randy orton's brock lesnar like their beginnings the uh rise of eddie guerrero and i know taboo subject but chris benoit at the time as well um so he was he was my favorite wrestler while he was alive right so that was like what was held high in regard for me and going back and watching the attitude era i can see why it was a fun time for people in that time period because the nineties were just a wild friggin' time from what I understand. And so I understand where that grunginess of the attitude era does fit in, but does it ever just, come across? Like, do you, do you hear people talk about it? And does it ever come across like that old guy? That's like, Oh, this music was the best back on their first two albums. Does it, does it ever come across to you? Like it's just old people stuck in, stuck in the past. Yes, it does. Oh man. Awesome. Yeah. Sometimes. Those are the sound bites I'm looking for. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> My thought that it, it was great. It really was. And it, it, it had more like real life stuff that went on. It, you know, it was to combat in what WCW was doing with their, you know, more realistic things in, in professional wrestling. My honest opinion, like everyone always talks about specifically this point could we ever have the attitude era back? You go back and watch the attitude era and you watch the homophobic racist and sexist shit that went on, on Monday night raw. Absolutely not. It cannot. Yeah. People freaked we out. Couldn't... People freaked out on Max Caster when he rapped on AW dynamite for Christ's sakes, when he hit some touchy subjects, you want to go back. I could give you a ton of freaking spots in WWE or WWF raw at the time during the attitude era. Where everything I just brought up happened, and remember we were cheering when Perry, like crazy. Remember when um, um, Dean Malenko won the right to fuck Lita because he won a wrestling match? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, yeah, they got to. They got to. He got to take her back to the hotel room and just do what he wanted. And unfortunately, that dickhead Matt Hardy and Jeff appeared, 
and broke some champagne over his head. Or what about the time that um, Tori Wilson uh, and Don Marie, they were forced to have a hot lesbian action because once again, uh, a wrestling match happened. And yeah. so they were, yeah, Don Marie was able to force herself onto a very not gay Tori Wilson. You want uh, some more? Goldust lip lock Ahmed Jensen. How did Ahmed Jensen react? Went absolutely ballistic. Like you you <laughs> want to bring up, let's, let's talk about a little bit about some blackface. I'm like John Waltman, sorry, I know your friend just passed away and everything, but I got to bring up Mizark with the whole DX portraying the nation of domination. He was, he wasn't the only one because if I also remember the road dog Jesse James portrayed the Godfather and he did blackface. So like, how about just the Godfather? How about just yeah. the existence of the Godfather? Val <laughs> <The> <laughs> Venus. Oh man, choppy choppy your pee pee. Uh, tie and tie. There you go. Fucking yeah, dude. They played oh, on so, so many like different stereotypes and everything. And with all of that, let's also not forget because we we interviewed her when Brian Pillman won the rights to Terry Runnels for thirty days, and we had to watch all those like creepy mm. vignettes of them in bed, and she's all like, "Oh no." because <laughs> of because of rape they just they love they love them some rape back then and some incest yeah or like alex just brought up go ahead uh when i don't know brian pillman put a gun on tv bang bang and i don't mean mick foley was it was it the attitude era when um oh fuck who it was still the attitude era when uh kane raped lita and had the demon baby uh ruthless aggression that yeah, was, was ruthless, ruthless aggression, aggression. So yeah. they were still doing rapey stuff even after the even Heidenreich. after Heidenreich. Oh, Heidenreich. That's the one I was thinking with him and Michael Cole. Yeah, they were doing What's a with lot WWE of WWE and no consent. Like I don't know, Vince. Vince it's Vince, guy. man. He loves he loves that. He loves incest. Yeah. Hell, they were doing they were doing incest before uh, Attitude Era, man. Beaver cleavage or whatever. Oh, that was Attitude. Oh era. yeah, was I that Attitude that Era? One. That wasn't that was age? Mosh. That was Mosh yeah. from the Headbangers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, the headbangers that. are cool to me. Man. Those are actually my first two favorite wrestlers with the headbangers. Yeah, they're my they looked, favorite. They dressed in grunge, and that was like all my cousins that were older than me and shit. That's how they dressed. And I thought they were the coolest fucking people ever. I can't believe they came back. They came back fucking in like 2016. Yeah. And they, damn near won the tag titles. So honestly, in retrospect, maybe the PG era isn't such a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, I like the Attitude Era overall. Yeah, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I, we do. It's it was it was for great. for every cool thing, you know, for every like, uh, uh, like who was it? Like, uh, uh, like the Dudleys or DX getting pushed off the stage in like a dumpster. We had like the cat involved in like a mud pit match and like losing her top. You know, you had you had to take them both. Yeah, you, you, you got to take the good and the bad together. Kind of a weird topic to follow after Scott Hall, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> one, more fun fact, one more fun fact on Scott Hall. Uh, oh, we're still doing Scott? <laughs> Shit. I, what, I just have one more thing to talk about, Scott. Just a small little fun fact. Uh, so, Lee, you've been to my house. Uh, oh, my God. So... Scott Hall's uh, ECW run, which, how long did that last? Two free appearances at most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scott Hall, believe it or not, 
November 10th, 2000, his ECW debut was right here in Schenectady, my hometown. To make it even crazier, the arena, the building he debuted in, is a five-minute drive from my house downtown. So, I, it's crazy. All right, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you should have told me because I would have told you to bring me there. Next time I'm up, I'm going to say that. Bring me there. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what it is now, to be honest with you, but... <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. But I'm still going to walk in and be like, yo, Scott Hall used to wrestle here. What's up? Hey, yo. Yeah. Hey, yo. <laughs> so, Kyle. Yeah, what's up, buddy? The last time me, you, and Alex had done a show together, minus the fact that some asshole's not here anymore at all, you asked us a question. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, you know it's coming. No, I don't. That's the thing. Oh, is okay. like my memories. Well, well, that that question was: Do you guys think the fans are cooling down on Thunder Rosa? <laughs> well, yeah, right. Did we fuck up or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did bring that up on your show. Yeah. That wasn't just the the predictions for revolution. Okay. No, yeah, we, we did it here too. Okay, yeah, because I went, I was going, I was skimming through your show. I thought for sure I did. Because yeah, I was actually gonna use the footage from your show. Um, but then I couldn't find it. So I was like, oh, maybe it was just that predictions for revolution. Okay, yeah, yeah, my bad. I ate some humble pie today. Yeah, we all did because uh, if you remember correctly, myself and Alex agreed with you. And fans, if you want to know what we thought, the answer was, uh, yeah, we thought the fans were cooling down on Thunder Rosa. Now, on AW Dynamite St. Patrick's Day Slam, apparently what's going to be an annual match. They got Thunder Rosa. It's got to be a tradition now. It's got to. Yeah, it has to be. Close out St. Patrick's Day Slam with with Thunder Rosa and, uh, and Britt Baker every year, I say. And it's got to be for the title every year. Like you can't, you got to build, you got to build the women's division and the women's championship around just this match once a year. Oh, and one of them has to profusely bleed in the match. Cause last year it was Brit and this year it was Thunder Rosa. Yeah. And the other Next thing year it can be both. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, uh, why pick between soft shell and hard shell tacos? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so St. Patrick's day slam. Uh, first off, I want to say Thunder Rosa's entrance was really cool. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was fantastic. That was awesome. I went yeah. back because I, I did my, um, you inspired me for my 10 second review today, last night when you sent me that DM, um, essentially like calling me a fucking idiot for that take. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> not in those exact words, but still it, the, the, the thought was there. Um, yeah. And um, I went back and watched the entrance because that's how I got the thumbnail for the YouTube video. And that shit was good. My God, that was so good. Yeah. They know, like, AEW knows how to, like, I love that they, they're willing to do special entrances outside of their pay-per-views to, to, to allow certain matches to feel bigger. Because I, I was, like, lukewarm for the, for the cage match going into it. 
But when I saw like Thunder Rosa come out, she got the sombrero, she got the the fucking flag, she had the mariachi, the all women's mariachi band, um, followed with the Thunder Rosa pop and the music and everything. God damn, it was so good. I popped for it. I really did. I thought it was great. Yeah. And of course, uh, she kind of paid tribute to Stone Cold Steve Austin with a three sixteen on that booty. I'm just gonna call it booty. It's a booty. Booty's a booty. If you've ever seen a booty, looked at a booty, kissed a booty, looked a booty, that's a booty. And speaking of paying tribute, we also saw Brett Baker pay tribute to the late great Scott Hall Razor Ramon with the NWO inspired gear as well. She also has a great booty. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, it was a booty match. Battle of the booties. New day's coming for him. Oh yeah, better watch out. New day's coming. <laughs> oh my god, we all sound like we've never had sex before. Jesus. We are wrestling fans, um, and we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking of which, uh, give me like a two minute intermission. The only proof I have that I ever had sex with my two, like you know, my my two kids over here. I got to put them to bed. I'll be right back. Hey, Kyle's back. Kyle. Man, that was fast. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the new record. You know, just like the the first match that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had, this was just as violent. Mm-hmm. If not more. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm liking the thumbtack spot. Last year it was uh I believe Britt Baker was the first one to hit him. And this year it was Thunder Rosa. But the spot that really got me where I I cringe, I don't really cringe much, but when I was watching the hand be slapped down on the tacks, I was like, yeah, (laughs) just like that. I, I I had like a gold dust, uh, (laughs) little speech impediment thing, you know, that he had the, yeah, 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 you know that happened. I was like, yeah, uncanning, man. You know what I thought was one of the coolest parts of the match, and it was a simple thing for me. Is in pro wrestling, we see the super kick used over and over again to a degree where most of us wrestling fans, I believe, have come numb to watching the super kicks, whether it be the Young Bucks doing it, the Usos, uh, you know, anybody. What was really cool to me in this match was towards the end there was a ref bump where uh Britt Baker I believe it was super kicked the ref and the ref got knocked down but it wasn't like a normal super kick where you normally see like the straight up kick to the face or it didn't look choreographed she like went off to the side and it was like a running super kick very similar to um kind of like how Miro does the uh the running one but it wasn't like a jump kick and Thunder Rosa just happened like it looked like it all flowed naturally she walked out of the way the ref just happened to be moving and it literally looked like it was an actual accident as opposed to a ref bump and it's for me like the little things like that that can take an awesome match and make it better because it doesn't look like a choreographed spot was put in and the two women that were involved in this match anytime they go into a match like this They just have this innate chemistry that seems like it just happened out of nowhere. And all of their matches have that same flow to it. Yeah, they work really, really well together in the ring. Yeah. That's just, um, it's awesome. I hope this is a match that happens every year. Kyle, on AEW 
St. Patrick's Day Slam. Would you be okay with this being an annual match? Oh, yeah, I was calling for it. Whether it be the one that closes out the show or it's just an annual theme. I, I like the idea of it just main eventing, you know. Yeah. Um, I know you guys mentioned for the belt. I, that's kind of a little bit more difficult to to line up that belt every year. But, hell, um, yeah, just having it having it on the show as at least a showcase match. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm down. It'd be an awesome tradition. How about you, Justin? Uh, even if it's not an annual tradition, I definitely think we should get that trilogy next year. Are you glad you just met Britt Baker? Uh, yes, I did. Cause and, and I got, got that picture of the title. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, and got that photo taken fans, Justin and I, and Alex, we were all at, um, a show called showcase of legends. Bunch of wrestlers were there. Scarlet. Why did I just space out? Uh, Scarlet Bruto was there. Fandango, Bray Wyatt, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, Rikishi. Brett Azar from Young Rock was there. And if you want to go see our most recent interview with him, you can go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. We now have a trilogy of interviews with the man. Shameless plug, number one. Anywho, we also saw the likes of WWE legend Summer Rae. Now I'm going to give you all a funny story. Oh <laughs> and I, I was going to keep this to myself, but I decided it's time to share it. So Summer Ray is like walking towards me, right? And I'm, she's got nice jeans on and everything. She's dressed really well. I look down at her, right? And I noticed something very, very odd. Now I'm in line waiting for Bray Wyatt to meet him. Her flies down. And uh, first I go, Summer. Ignores him. Doesn't acknowledge me. And then I go, Summer. She turns around. And I point down because I didn't want to just. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, I mean, you could probably just rephrase that as your fly is down. Yeah. Uh. But I was like, so I go, like, I just, I mouthed the words and pointed down. And she looked down and she goes, oh, my God, thank you. And I was like. Yeah, I didn't want to be a creep or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a that's a WWE legend. You show some respect. Hey, no. but yeah, no. Hey. At, at the same show, uh, the likes of Tennille Dashwood were there. Uh, Camilla from NWA, the NWA Women's World Champion, was there. The ring announcer, I do apologize, I do not remember her name. She was there as well. There was a lot of talent at this event. You can't forget Trish Stratus. Oh, yeah, yes. Trish Stratus was there. <laughs> Cowboy Bob Orton, Randy Orton's father. Tito Santana asked me where the bathroom was. That was cool. Tito and... Santana! <laughs> Evil Uno was there from AEW. It was a really good show. Um, and we also met the Hardy Boys, which was really, really cool. And speaking of the Hardy Boys, Justin, what did you want to ask them? Uh, you know, uh, I wanted to go up to Jeff and say, hey, how come every week on AEW, Sting looks so miserable to see you? Dude, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> so, I, I'm glad Justin brought it up. The Hardys made their debut together in a tag team match against Private Party, also on St. Patrick's Day Slam. In the last two weeks, Darby Allen and Sting have been involved. I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed it. 
But the first week, Darby was like in a rush to get down there, and Sting, of course, was moving at the pace of an Undertaker entrance, I thought. Same with last this week, too. But it's the look on his face. So the first week, they clear the ring. The Hardys are staring down Darby and Sting and, and vice versa. Darby has is, seemingly needs someone to pick his job off the floor. He's like completely and utterly shocked that they're there. I mean, Jeff Hardy's his hero, too. Yeah. Sting, on the other hand, looked like he was having a PTSD moment and wanted to leave the ring. And then it was like the same this week. It's been 11 years. I think they're fine. I think, I I think this is just an easy, low-hanging fruit of a joke. I doubt there's any merit like, oh, no, coming we doubt, out on television. No, we doubt that there's like any animosity. But when you look at Sting's face the last two weeks, I mean, go back. Seriously, he looks kind of pissed off. Dude, he looked like he was ready to crack Jeff Hardy right over the head with that bat last night. <laughs> So here's my thought on it, though, is that obviously the Hardy Boys are entering the tag team division, which Sting has currently become a part of with Darby Allen. It, it helps Sting not have to maintain a full-time position on the roster, which is understandable with his age. This could be the start of them actually just slowly planting an eventual one-time only Hardys versus Darby Allen and Sting match, and if they are going to do that match and they want a solid storyline behind it, why not pick at the history between Jeff Hardy and Sting if Jeff Hardy obviously gives his consent to it? I think, you know, the thing is, I'm, I would think, now, I don't know Jeff Hardy, and I honestly wouldn't have the balls to ask him. Maybe I would. Yeah, no, there's no, nothing wrong with asking. I'm sure he's done with the whole fucking you're an addict storylines. Right. He's gone through them year over year over year. And WWE, I mean, with him and Sheamus, they ran it into the ground. I don't think he'd be in too much of a hurry to sign off on another, hey, let's bring up you being an addict. Because even put push all the personal stuff aside it's be like why are we doing the same thing over and over again like i just did this story not that long ago we've we've already done this enough times like why bother rehashing an old story rather you know what i mean it's just it feels like because i mean this whole like this whole team extreme stuff this is just like it's this is like kind of mandatory i feel like it's going to be quickly out the door and we're going to get a new uh, Matt and Jeff just for the sake of not rehashing the old nostalgia stuff for too long. Um, I feel like the only person we're getting by on that is Sting. And even then, it's not so much that he's coming out and doing the same Sting matches. He's just the same looking Sting. But if you notice, his matches are very different than how we remember Sting. Sting wasn't stage diving, you know, and, and doing all these hardcore fucking moments back in his youth. So... Even he's not running down memory lane outside of, of course, his gear. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're going to get some version of the broken universe again for the sake of just not rehashing these old stories. I like that, but I liked what we saw in AEW Dynamite for a couple of reasons with the Hardys, you know, in their first tag team match on AEW. One, I like that Matt Hardy brought back the 
old school Hardy look that he, you know they used to rock in WWF. Yeah. Now the other part that I liked was if you're a figure collector, you recognized <laughs> you recognized everything that Jeff Hardy had on. Why? Because he was wearing his 2021 top picks WWE elite attire. He was dressed just identical to the action figure that literally just came out that is in Walmart right now. Yeah, no joke, huh? I mean, down to the face paint. I would have never figured that out. Oh, as soon as I saw oh, it, I, I knew. I knew it because I just got that figure signed last Sunday. So it yep. was like fresh in my mind. <laughs> it's right there in that box yeah. over there. 100%. Alex, seriously, go pick up the pick up that figure and tell me if that looks familiar to you. Nope. 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 Yeah, there you the go. Movie. The 2022 yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. Jeff Hart, literally Jeff Hardy's last elite. Yep, that one. Oh, we can't see it. The light. Oh, no. Is it the blue sleeves? Because he was yes. wearing he was wearing the cut up sleeves under. It, it was blue. Yeah, it's the blue. It, it, that's exactly what he was wearing. It was down to a T. And I believe that's what he wore wrestling Sunday at Big Time Wrestling against Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. That is exactly what he wore. <laughs> so he's. Uh, I don't know if it's like something being done like purposely as like a F U to the E or if it's just, this is the only ring gear I have right now type deal, which I, I kind of highly doubt after wrestling for so long. Well, I've also oh, I seen... see what you talk. I'm thinking of what he wore. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was, I was thinking about what he wore at rampage. My bad. Oh, Cause no, that no, rampage, no. he was wearing the traditional oh, yeah. fishnet, um, like see-through gear. No, I see what you're talking about now. Well, and also before he left WWE, he'd worn that gear a couple of different times too. So it's entirely possible that it's just in the, you know, group of gear that he likes to wear. I don't know if you remember back in like 09, he rocked like the same type of gear, but with the purple sleeves literally all the time. Oh, I remember they they made a WWE retro out of that. That's my favorite attire of his is the purple sleeves. Yeah, or maybe Jeff Hardy just has a good friend of Mattel, and you know, hey, you know, push these figures. We gotta. <laughs> He's like, I'm still making royalties from WWE. I need these sold. <laughs> I remember him talking about that on the Broken Skull session about just like he never has to work a day in his life at WWE, and just the royalties of all that stuff will will keep a roof over his head alone. It's well, nuts to me. I mean, between the action figures the shirts, the necklaces that they had with the Hardy Boys symbol on it. It's just, I, I Jeff especially, I think is basically, like you said, made for life when it comes to, yeah. He's in the top 10 for most WWE elite figures. As of right now, he's, as of right now, he's number one for having the most chase figures. No one else has as many chase figures as Jeff Hardy does. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy, but I mean, only us ridiculous figure collectors would know that. So uh-huh. yeah, I was about to say this is outside my realm. I was yeah. going to say <laughs> Kyle and I are out. Oh yeah, yeah no, the, the, the wrestling like, collection yeah. that I do is these hand paintings over here. That's that's, those that's are my awesome. collection. Which, speaking of which, Justin, you weren't here for this, but we were looking at the the pictures that Kyle had over on the wall over there, and we we're like, huh. 
we were like, that gentleman has passed on. That gentleman has passed on. Oh, hey, look, there's John Moxley. Just in good company, huh? Like, yeah, that was that was your co. Well, who was that? What was his name again? Is it what was his name that pointed that shit out? His name <laughs> is Shitbag Twinkle Toes Rob Hockman. Yeah, he, he <laughs> pointed that out. My chair just broke. <laughs> I would suggest you not move for the rest of the show. I can't move or I'm going to fall. <laughs> I leaned a little too hard or I'm a little too fat for the chair. <laughs> Uh, this has been a fun time so ladies and gentlemen i think this might be a time to call the end kyle i want to thank you for coming on i want you to plug your stuff for us as always like now I mean, you can do it next time you're on if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll plug, I'll plug it now, man. Yeah, yeah cool. plug it. No, I'm good. I was just having fun, man. I was having fun. I thought yeah, we were going to hang I'm out. Good. No, we want you to plug your stuff. Plug away. Awesome, man. Um, you guys, listen, I, I, I make stupid content. If you want proof of that, head on over to uh, youtube.com slash smackraw podcast, where you can find my daily 10-second uh, reviews of your AEW and uh, WWE shows. I have a lot of fun on those things. Um, other than that, find me on social media at the Kai Tai Show. Um, otherwise, you can follow the show at SmackDraw Pod. Uh, SmackDraw, we have a brand, uh, myself and RN. We stream the Rewind, where we recap the latest topics in wrestling in and outside the ring um, every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That is twitch.tv slash SmackDraw. You can also find other SmackDraw content like the Bammer Slammer and the newly acquired um botch spots and uh botch spots and chair shots ink is still drying on that contract we're happy to bring their show under our banner as well it's been fun i'm kind of like thanos collecting the uh in infinity stones here with all of these other podcasts i'm just bringing them all in under uh the smack drop banner but if you want to listen to me cut up like i said uh the rewind every sunday uh, it's a bunch of fun. I, I, leave, I have a blast doing this show. Um, next time, please remember the dress attire, mandatory flannel. Okay, if I'm going to show up uh, respecting the dress code, I would appreciate it as the host that you do the same. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you guys as well, too, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, speaking of Thanos bringing in all those stones, he's very this close to collecting that orange stone from perched on the top rope. Uh, <laughs> we might be, be done for next. <laughs> guys want to be smacked raw. I'm Dude, telling just, you, man, we'll we'll talk. Just if you snap your fingers, just make it so we don't disappear. That's all I ask. Like <laughs> I'm, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to like fade into dust or anything like that. I'm, I'm You'll not... fade away and classify yourself as obsolete. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not ready for that. What a bunch of degenerates. But, okay, so I, I really, I want to, actually, I want to ask this. Aside from this thing with Matt Hardy, do you think he's going to go, do you think the Hardy boys will run through Andrade and all their their guys? Or, or are they going to do like an eight-man tag match first? Hardy's Darby, Sting against Andrade and his crew? I definitely think they're pushing towards the eight-man tag. Yeah, it's it's the Avengers versus the generic CG 
bad guys that you just got to get that battle out of the way before you start taking on like the bigger uh, baddies, you know? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I think uh, double or nothing, you're looking at an eight-man tag, maybe a few uh, normal tag matches on TV leading up to that. I'm interested in that. How far do you think we'll get down the road before we see Darby and Sting and the Hardys go at it? See, I'm under the impersonation. I think the eight-man tag will actually happen before Double or Nothing. I think Darby Sting versus the Hardys happens at Double or Nothing. Really? Okay. It's weird for me. I just don't picture Darby fighting Jeff. Singing the other, you know what I mean? Um, if it wasn't for the Moxley, um, Danielson, and uh, 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 Regal uh, story where they're going to be tempting like the likes of like Wheeler Yuta and um, Lee Moriarty, away from their, you know, respected factions, I would think that's what would happen with the Hardys. They would be like, hey, you know, are you done hanging out with this old geezer and you want to hang out with the cool guys again, you know? And they'd just try to lure Darby, you know, kind of like a couple uh, weird guys trying to lure some kid into their van, you know? It's kind of what it strikes me as. That's what that's the way I picture that happening. I got some candy for you. I want to... <clears throat> I can't do the voice right now. What the fuck was that? I was going to do Hubert from Family Guy. Oh, man. It's just I realized my voice is too raspy right now to even attempt it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we can't have nice things. You're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. Oh, but I guess it's that time, Alex. I think you know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to follow us on social media, go to Facebook, search us up at Perched on the Top Rope. You can also go to our YouTube page where I try to provide us with the best content from Perched on the Top Rope that we can between my reviews of WWE video games, Lee's interviews with any sort of WWE legend, WCW legend, ECW legend, Impact Wrestling legend, Ring of Honor legend, whatever legend you may have. We try and put out the most content we can for you. If you want to go to our Twitter, we would greatly appreciate that. Give us a follow and check out all of our live tweets that we do occasionally get to. Perched on the top rope on Twitter. If you want to go and check out all the fun pictures that Lee posts on Instagram, go check us out at Perched on the Top Rope Podcast on Instagram. We also have a TikTok page where Lee likes to display his action figures. And he also has a video of Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. That's my favorite part. Every time Lee brings that one up, I just, I die laughing. If you guys want to follow this podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Red Circle. You can find us on Amazon Podcasts. You can find us literally anywhere where podcasts are found. Just look up Perched on the Top Rope. I want to thank Kyle for coming on today. I really appreciate it. It's always a great time to have you on. Uh, we're going to do this again because I say it every time. Justin, as always, I love having you on. I believe we're going to have you on again when we do the WWE 2K22 review. Oh, yes, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're, we're out. out. In my lifetime, I've learned. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true.
Bad times don't last, but bad guys do.